are, the crowd is usually divided between two things, those who fix the meal and those who eat the meal. So if you're the main one who fixes the meal, let's see a show of hands. Oh, there's more in this service than in the other one. Excellent. And that those of you that are going to be eating the meal, oh, wow, it's, it's an overwhelming response. Yes, excellent. Well, happy Thanksgiving. We just know that this is going to be a tremendous week with family. We, we pray that God's spirit be with all of us when all the family gets there because sometimes that's more stressful than usual. So God will be with us all. Um, there's many things you could choose to say that you're thankful for. I mean, the list goes on and on. So this was not a hard month to prepare for because you just have to see what's in the overflow of your heart. And something that Pastor Aslan said last week just really stuck, struck a chord in me. And she mentioned the fact that sometimes in our quest to um, alleviate loneliness or to feel like we're, we're connected, sometimes we look to people in the wrong way. We look to people to do for us what only God can do. And then by the same token, we look to God as someone that's merely mortal and that doesn't have the strength that is inherent in God. And that made me start thinking that I am so thankful for the scriptures. I'm so thankful for the word of God because no other place, no other book, no other thing tells us who God is the way the Bible does. And we know that when we read the word, we have the power and the assistance of the Holy Spirit to come along and illuminate what those words mean to us and to guide us into understanding what truth is there. And so my concern is, and why I wanted to speak about this this morning as the one thing that I am so very thankful for, is because I want us to make sure that in our heart and in our habits and in our mind, the scripture has preeminence, that we give that as the one thing that is our true source and not just a resource of one thing among all the other good things that we're reading. Because the Bible is alone, stands alone as the vehicle that God tells us what he wants us to know about himself. Um, in theology, we, we, we talk about and we understand that in what they call the sufficiency of Scripture. And that just means that in, within that, that book, from Genesis to Revelation, is what God wants us to know, what humanity needs to know about who he is. And God takes the Scriptures, and as we can see here, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any sword. Now, I, most of you know that I love reading. I, I have all kinds of favorite authors and authoresses. Um, and we, we, we love our quotes, don't we? We love our sound bites and we love our quotes. And there are so many good ones. And we understand that God has made resident in words a power so that when we speak, in fact, the Bible actually says there is life and death in the power of our tongue. So just normal words, just someone's words like Mother Teresa's words carry some inherent power. And that's why when we find a good quote, we, we, we post it on Insta and we do all these things because there's power in words. But only in the scripture does God say, I watch over my word. 
I watch over the words that are in that Bible and to perform it, to, to come to the assistance of those who are saying my word. So while there's power in words, just general words, like I, I might love some quotes from Martin Luther King and I might love, there's just all kinds of people that I love to quote and love to read about. There's power there, but nothing like that word that is alive and powerful. And God says, when you use my word correctly, when my words are inside you, when you, that is a sword. In fact, one of the names for the Bible is sword of the spirit. That's how precise his word is. That's how powerful his word is. That's the ability that his word has. And he said, I'm watching. I'm watching over my words to perform it. When I see someone who is speaking my words in faith, that's where I am, because those are his words. So I want to talk about some of the ways that make me so thankful for the Bible. I know that some people that are not believers view it as a historical book. Some people say it's, it's full of errors and all kinds of things. And there are many men um, and women who have belabored those points and, and apologetic for the Bible, and they do it much better than I could. So we're not dealing with that today. Today, we're taking what he says as truth and we're thinking about it and applying it to our lives. Does that sound okay with you guys? And the rest of you um, just say amen as you will. <clears throat> it's, it's interesting how much Jesus used the word. And we think, well, that's, of course, he used the word. He was the word. He was the word that was made flesh. And even so, he quoted scripture because that is a powerful weapon. So let's begin with some things I love. The Bible tells me who God is. This is an amazing thing. If you just stop to think about it, we're not left to our own devices. We're not left to our own musings, our own thoughts about who God is. God tells us in his word what we need to know about him. And as the Holy Spirit brings those words alive to us, it, it, it plants deep in our hearts the truth of God about what it is to please him, how he has made a way for us to have access to his throne. Everything that God wants humanity to know about him, we can find in the pages of the word, illuminated by the spirit of God. And I just think that is amazing that God loves us enough to give us an account of what he believes, what he will do, where he's been, where we're all going. His plan for us to open up the access to his throne through the cross of Christ. The Bible is an amazing book. And I want to see this morning that we use it as a source and not a resource. It's not one voice among many voices. It's not the best among all the great podcasts. It is the source of who God is, inspired by the spirit of God. One of the things that we know just living here on this earth, that when we meet someone that is what we would call a dignitary, that could be if maybe if we meet our president, there's a protocol involved. Uh, certainly, Pastor Peter can tell us about the protocol that's involved with meeting the queen and, and all that goes along with that, since that's kind of foreign to us here in America. But there is a protocol that must be observed. And it's the same way with God. God tells us the protocol for coming into his presence. And we know that we come um, with the blood of Jesus, having accepted his sacrifice. But once we get through, how do we approach God? And one of the things that Pastor Mark and I were careful 
and intentional and purposeful about as we were raising our children is the protocol in coming into God's presence. We can't treat him like he's our buddy. We can't treat him like he's one God among many. We need to make sure that our children have a reverence for God. And that takes parents imparting that into their spirit. That takes parents setting an example. We, we talk a lot about um, come as you are. Come to God's presence, come and, and, and accept God's grace as you are, and a personal Savior. But I believe that that means it's talking more about each person is responsible for their relationship with Christ. I can't rely on my mother's faith. There was a time when I was young and, and not to the age of understanding that, yes, our parents' faith cover us, but there comes a day when we can understand who Christ said that he was, what his sacrifice did for us. And in that day, I, can't, I can no longer rely on my mother's faith or my father's faith or my pastor's faith. We'll all stand before God and we'll give an account. So that's a personal salvation. That's what we mean by that. Not, not that God is something we, someone we can stick in our pocket and he's our big buddy and we can do whatever we want. He is God. And that's one of the things I love about the Bible because it, te- it teaches me how to show God that I love him in a way that he loves, in a way that he admires, in a way that causes him to draw close to me. So Psalms 100, we'll start with this very briefly. This gives us the protocol. Now this is talking about when we come into church like we did this morning. This is why many, many churches start with singing because that's what the Bible instructs us to do. It says, shout to the, with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. And I know that people don't associate necessarily joy with God. I, some people have such a view of him that he's harsh. He's a taskmaster. He, it doesn't take much to tick him off, especially if you're reading in the Old Testament. And, and, and he, you just have so much rope with God, and then that's it. But joy is, is, is inherent in God. Joy is part of who God is. And we know that because as his children, one of the fruits that he places in our heart, the second one listed is joy. That deep satisfaction that happiness that comes from being his child, from knowing who he is. Joy, come shout with joy to the Lord. So he wants us to come with him with the right spirit, not just, hey buddy, how you doing? For who he is, with the right submission. Here it says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. That seems like such a simple phrase, but how many people, how many of us live our lives as if he isn't God or as if there is no God? He said, acknowledge that the Lord is God. And that takes submission on our part to acknowledge that you are God and I'm not, and I need to bow to what your wishes are, what your will is, what your scripture has told us to do. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. We didn't make him. We are his. How much worry would be taken out of my life if I had that truth sewn into my heart, I belong to God. No person, no event can snatch me from his hand. I belong to God. I am safe. I am loved. 
I belong. The moment I said yes to the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, I was transported, grafted in, adopted into a new family. I belong. I love that. The right sacrifice. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. He, God loves a good party. He wants people to be joyful and happy. And the word says that joyful are the people whose God is the Lord. We know who he is. We trust him. We believe him. We serve him. Give thanks to him. Praise his name. That's the sacrifice. When we come before God, we should always bring a sacrifice. You say, well, Jesus is the sacrifice. Yes, Jesus is the way that we can actually come and even talk to God. But God wants us to bring a sacrifice of praise. And you know, when you're going through a rough week, I've had a really, this last month, have been very difficult. Most of you know why. On top of it all, I fell in... And it was so stupid, I won't even tell you how I did it. It suffices to say, never stand on a stool, which you've propped up on a piece of wood outside. Never do that. Because you'll... So some months, some weeks, some days, it's the sacrifice of praise that you're bringing. You're not feeling all great, but the sacrifice of praise is God. I know what this month brought, but I know who you are. I know that you are worthy of praise. I know that no one can take you from my hand. I know that nothing happens to me or to my family that hasn't first passed through your hands. That's the sacrifice of praise. It's easy to praise him if we can remember when things are going well. But when things are difficult and sad and stressful, can we bring a sacrifice? Say, Lord, I praise you. I praise you. That's what the Bible does. It tells us who God is and what God demands and wants for his children. I'm thankful for the Bible because it tells me who I am. There are so many voices in the world that will try to tell you who you are. They'll try to tell you who you should be who you could be. And none of those voices are important if they don't line up with who God says we are for those of us that are Christians, that are believers. I'm not just the daughter of Carl and Anna Brooks. I'm the daughter of the King. I'm the daughter of the creator of the universe. And so are you. You're either a son or you're a daughter. That's who the scriptures say that we are. And any other voice, any other word, any other stream of thought is not true. I'm no longer someone who tells lies to to get whatever I want. I'm no longer someone who is greedy. I'm no longer someone who murders. I'm no longer someone who is sexually immoral. I'm no longer someone who is an abuser. I'm no longer someone who is a victim because this is what the word says. Some of you once were once like that. If you read before that in the scriptures, it talks about all those things, being a thief, a liar, and a murderer, and a slanderer, and a gossip, and someone who is sexually immoral, not happy with where you are in life. Some of you were once like that. And every one of us sitting here can say yes. I was once like that. 
but you were cleansed. You were made what? Holy. That's what the scripture says about you that are following Christ today. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. That is what the scripture says about you and about me. And that's the truth. And any other foundation that I try to lay, any other voice that I try to listen to that tells me something other than this is a lie. It's not the truth. There's no foundation that I can build that will sustain the weight of my life, of your life, if it's not built upon the word of God. If it's not built upon the truth that he tells us in his word, activated by his spirit, made alive in every situation where we call upon him. Amen. Can you say happy Thanksgiving? Happy Thanksgiving. Knowing who I am keeps me, prevents me, stops me, hinders me from trying to find my identity in anything else, in anyone else, in any other relationship. Yes, we're to pour into relationships here on earth, but not like we pour into this one. Because this is where, this relationship is where I find my identity, who I am, where I came from, where I'm going, what God wants to say to me. I'm thankful for the Bible because it tells me who I am. I'm thankful for the Bible because it tells us who we are as a church, as a church family. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Each of you sitting here, unless you're here visiting and you wandered off the side of the road or you're here down for the holidays, we welcome you. We welcome those of you that are watching online. But the people here, the people that are watching on a regular basis, you are part of this church. The scripture tells each church, the pastors of each church, what their call is, what their purpose for existing. Why are we here? Why don't we just watch church online Sunday after Sunday after Sunday? Why do we come and gather? Why do we tune in weekly? Because God has a purpose for Northwest. If you read in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, um, the, the letter is written to seven churches. And those seven churches were representative or actual, were actual churches in that day around the region. But not just actual churches. It also represents the churches throughout history. It represents us. And if you read those two chapters, you'll see that God is saying, okay, this is a church, church of Ephesus. This is what I have against you. This is what you're doing well. This is what you need to strengthen. This is what you need to forsake. This is who you need to listen to. This is who you need to stop listening to. And every church will be accountable to God. That's why the Bible says to pray for your leaders. Pray for your pastors because they will be held accountable. You'll only be held accountable for did you faithfully attend? Did you faithfully give your gifts? Did you faithfully serve in, in, in line with how God gifted you? But pastors and elders will have to give an account to God. Did we fulfill God's purpose for Northwest? There's a purpose, a reason we're moving to Apopka. There's a reason God has graciously allowed us to spread out and have land. There's a purpose, and we pray for our pastors. We pray for our elders. And Pastor Peter and Crystal, as you know, recently have been made the lead pastor. That means there's an extra burden on them 
And so we're called to be uh, people that are living lives in agreement. Why are we here? There are so many good churches in Orlando. Why are we here? God has a purpose for us. And we can find that purpose through the scripture, through a witness with the spirit of this is why Northwest exists. This is why we're moving to Apopka. This is why we want you with us. We have a purpose. Amen? Can you say happy Thanksgiving? Yes. The Bible instructs us about the way of salvation. This gets me excited. I know that I say that about every point, but this really does get me excited because from the first century to the 21st century, the way of salvation has not changed. God doesn't do a bait and switch on us. It is the same. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be This is the prayer my mother prayed. This is the prayer my grandfather prayed. This is the prayer Martin Luther prayed. This is the prayer the disciples prayed. This is what, if you confess, what? Everybody just be good people. Let's just get along the best we can. Let's try to figure it out as we go along. No, if we confess that Jesus is Lord. If we believe that in our heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified before God. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. The Bible hasn't changed the way of salvation from generation to generation. That's why Christ said when he died, it was once and for all. For all eternity, this is the way of entrance into God's throne, into God's presence through the sacrifice that Jesus made. I love that. The faith of our fathers is our faith. It's the faith that we pass on to our children. We don't have to make it complicated. The only thing that changes from generation to generation to generation is the way we teach, the method we use to get out this simple, unending, unchanging truth that Jesus is Lord. If you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth, that he is who he said he is, you will be saved. Isn't that amazing? We don't have to find out a new way to approach God. We don't have to make anything up. God has provided what we need to live in his presence for eternity. Now, as a church, we are continually thinking of ways, Lord, how do you want us to move to proclaim that you are Lord? How will we reach the generation behind us with this truth that you are Lord? Amen. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. All right, let's finish up here. This one I didn't want to put in there because I don't really like this one. But it's in there. Do you guys have a verse that you wish wasn't in the Bible? It just, you know, it'd be, it's perfect except for this one little passage that says, the one thing that I want to do that I shouldn't be doing. Or the one thing that I don't want to do, I should be doing. So anyway, Proverbs says, to learn you must love discipline. It is what? What? <laughs> that was the S word when our kids were growing up. It wasn't the S word that it is today. It was stupid. They weren't allowed to call each other stupid, which I don't know. I still hold to that. But the words that come out of our mouth are to be building up of life. 
All right, to hate, stupid to hate correction. Now there's two things I found in lo these many years that you either are corrected in private with the, with the scriptures open and the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart and saying, hmm, that's, that's not pleasing to God. You, could, you, you don't need to be doing this. This isn't something you need to do. The, the fact that God doesn't want you doing this. Correction in private or we will be corrected in public because the sins that we do, the things that we do, never stay in the dark. How many, how many prominent people have we seen that their deeds that they did in secret in the dark are now exposed for everyone to write about, and laugh about, and go, oh my gosh, how could they? I never would have believed it. It's stupid to hate correction. We need to love life. And the word of God corrects us, corrects us, changes our course, changes the way we think, changes why, the way that we make choices. And that's what God designed the word to do, is to give us life. All right, this, the, we're going to close with this one. The Bible is my rock when tempted. I, as I was reading through the different things about Jesus this week, I was struck by how many times Jesus used scripture when combating the forces of evil against him, whether it was a person, whether it was a, a demonic attack, all the different things that he found himself in, whether it was talking to himself saying, no, I've got to do this. I've got my, I'm turning my face like flint to Jerusalem to, to carry out my purpose. How many times he used scriptures, uh, references from the Old Testament, references that he now made true. A lot of times when we're tempted, a lot of times we're by ourselves. We're tempted to look at something, to ingest something, to listen to something, to do something. And it's when we're alone so many times that we are tempted. And so when you're alone, you don't have anyone to say, come on, let's don't go there. That's stupid. We're not going to do that. We're not going to waste our time. We're not going to waste our money. We're not going to. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Now, we all know that a lot of times temptation comes when we're tired or when we're alone. Um, I don't know if it comes when we're hungry, but when our body, our, our natural defenses are weakened, is the main time that we get tempted or we've got too much time on our hands and, and nobody's around for too long. You know, we need to stay in accountability. But Jesus was alone. This was part of his plan from the Father. I'm going to tell you parts of the story, and then I'll read Jesus' response. Because the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. I was saying in the first service, I guess it's only after you fasted for 40 days that a loaf of bread looks like something that, you know, would be something you would stumble for. But how about a piece of cake? Tell this piece of cake that, but it was a loaf of bread. But Jesus said, no. The scriptures say, now he was the son of God. He didn't have to say the scriptures say, I am the, no, but he, that's where the power, the resident power of God, using the words of scripture. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone. I need to tell myself that more often. 
Then the devil took him up and revealed all the kingdoms of the world to him. So he's basically saying, if you want power, I've got power. You want authority, I've got authority. You want splendor and riches and people to honor you, I can give you that. Now the irony of this whole thing is that's what Jesus left from heaven to become for us here on earth. He left all of those things. He already owned all of those things, but now he's on earth under Satan's dominion for a time. He said, I can give it to you, but you gotta worship me. How many times have we seen people fall because they wanna worship something, someone other than God? And what does Jesus say? The scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So by now the enemy has gotten a little bit smarter and he takes Jesus to the the temple mount, to the, the very top of the temple in Jerusalem and says, you know, the Bible says, so now he's starting to quote scripture to God. The Bible says that if you fall, God's gonna give all the angels charge over you and he won't even let your foot hit a stone. That's what the Bible says. And if you'll just worship me, Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. So many times people will take one little strand of scripture and they'll beat it into the ground and to where it doesn't mean what God intended that it meant when you take it with all the other counsel of scripture. Jesus knew that. Yes, the Bible does say that, but he knew that that was not the case now because what he was doing was God's will. So when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left never to return to any of us again. Hallelujah. Happy Thanksgiving. Is that what it says? He left until the next opportunity came. And let me tell you, you'll have victory in one area. You'll have victory one day. And he leaves until another opportunity presents itself. All throughout scripture, Jesus is knocking him back. He is telling people what they need to hear. And one of my favorite accounts, and we'll close with this, one of my favorite accounts, because he's usually um, dealing out the scriptures when he's talking to religious people, people that don't believe that he is who the Old Testament said was coming. And so one, of the, one day, the religious people were trying to think of a way they could trap him. And we know most of those stories. But there's one story because in Jewish um, history, in the culture back then, you needed to have a man for a covering. Not a bad thing, but that was required back then. Either a husband or a father or a brother. And, and it was a protection for the women. It was a protection for the children. And so these men said, you know, um, if you're really God's son, give us the answer to this. Um, you know, Sister Mary, her husband died, and so she married his brother. And now when they say you get married to another, that doesn't necessarily refer to sexual relations because all of us thinking, you're married to your husband's brother, you'd be going, oh, that's disgusting. But it was merely a matter of protection, not a matter of physical relations. So they said, okay, so she marries the brother, he dies. She marries the next brother, he dies. Now, at this point, I'd be saying, I don't want marrying this girl. She's, she's the black widow. Everybody's dying around her. But this goes on for seven brothers. And so the question was, the aha 
question was, who is she going to be married to when we, you know, we're in heaven or wherever they thought we were going? Who is she going to be married to there? And I love this. If you'll stand with me for Jesus' answer. He could have said any number of things. He could have said anything. What does he choose to say to stop the accusation, to stop the foolish conversation? Your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. And man, I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart, Crystal, your mistake is you don't know the scriptures the way you need to. It ha- the scripture has to be hidden in my heart. It's one thing to find a Bible when times are, are, are going bad and it's been a rough month or whatever, but he wants the scripture to be alive inside me. So I'm not scrambling around trying to find an answer from anything and anyone and any substance and any person, any relationship, any. Your mistake, my brothers and sisters, is that you don't know the scriptures. And you don't know the power of God. If you knew the power of God to intercept your predicament, if you knew the power of God to, to intervene in that relationship, if you knew the power of God to sustain you in that marriage, if you knew the power of God to undergird you with strength during that time, if you knew the power of God, how different would your life be? How much wiser would you be? How much more would the opinions of people whose opinions should not matter to you, how much more would those opinions fade into the background if you know the scripture, know the power of God that he brings with his word? It's a good day. It's a good day to be living in the 21st century. We have the word of God and we can read it and study it and digest it unimpeded. We have brothers and sisters around the world that are jailed, that are beaten, that are killed because they want to read this book with freedom. We can't take this for granted. Well, just because it's this, well, let me listen to this podcast first and let me go talk to that brother over, let me do that first. Start here. This is the source. This is where God says, I'm watching I'm watching over my word. Oh, Jim's got a good word there. I'm going to perform it because we speak it out. We speak the word of faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. What? Hearing what? A good podcast? Nothing wrong with that. Hearing what? A good good cell group teaching? Nothing wrong with that. I ought to know. I give some good ones. But faith grows by hearing the word of God. And there's not, a, not an age bracket that's denied. There's not a social status that's denied. You can be six and digest the word of God. You can be 86 and still receive strength and encouragement and fortitude and resilience from the words that God said, I'm watching. He's watching. He's reading. He's performing. He's speaking my word. I'm going to do it. Sir, join us. Um, I read a statistic, which I thought was really interesting, that if you read out loud the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you know, you can read out loud is slower than if you read to yourself. You know, if you're reading silently, you can go faster. 
But reading out loud the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, it takes 72 hours. That's it. Three days, you can read the Word of God. That's morning and evening as well, though. You can read the entire Word of God in three days. And how many times we said, I'm going to read through the Bible this year, like that's some big deal. When it takes three days to do it. This year, I'm going to read through the Scriptures. Yay! It doesn't take that long. It takes an attitude of our part of believing that this is what God wants us to do. This is how he wants to speak to us. This is what he wants us to know about who he is, how much he loves us, the plan he has for us. Amen? Can you say happy Thanksgiving? Glory. So we're going to pray, and um, but I just want to leave you with this. When she's talking about reading scripture, sometimes we can feel obligated, and that's not what it's meant to be. I want to kind of give you a parable for those that are parents in the room, or soon-to-be parents, or future parents. Imagine writing a journal to your kids, or just writing a journal about yourself, right? What you're doing here today, or here today, or here you go. When you pass away, and that's left behind, your kids will be able to read through and connect with you. They will know your thoughts like they couldn't have really known. And they're going to see your handwriting and they're going to be connected and they're going to see a story that might have been simple at the time. Today we went to the grocery store and so and so did this. And maybe it was even a problem at the time. But they're going to look back and I want you to think about that. And I want you to think about, do you want your children to be like, ah, I got to read my parents' journal. Or do you want them like, I love sneaking in and connecting to my parents that aren't here right now, but I feel them, I can think like them, I can know. And that's what she's talking about, that, that it draws us. So that's what I'm gonna pray for. I'm gonna pray that you're drawn, not, not like get in there and read it in 72 hours. She reads, she could read 24 hours without stopping. I can't, but I wanna be drawn. I don't wanna feel condemned or obligated. So that's what we're gonna pray right now, if you guys will, will allow me. Father, we ask that we as a people are drawn we're drawn to connect with our true father as we would with a, with a parent that is maybe no longer with us. And we find the gem of a journal. We see their handwriting. We see how they, they, they did cursive in this way and did this. And, and it's their signature, Father. Draw us to your word that we see your signature, your living, breathing word, that it speaks to us. You give us the ability to connect with you, Father, to remember who you are, to remember who we are, to protect us, to, to protect us from temptation. Draw us, Father, that we get closer to you through Scripture at this time, and our, our hearts echo gratitude and thanksgiving. We ask this in your Son's name. Amen. Amen. We'll see you guys in small group. Happy Thanksgiving.